Hi, everybody. Welcome to a very special edition of Conversations with Calvin, We the Species. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm back with Dr. Tara Chalakani, who is the new CEO of Preferred Behavioral Health Group. We're going to talk about that. Uh, uh, we've done, done two of these sessions with Dr. Tara. Dr. Tara, it's just easier. Uh, and we've done, this is our third uh, get-together uh, with Preferred Behavioral Health. Uh, and how this all came about real fast is uh, I, I sent uh, Dr. Tara a, a note that uh, I'm really bothered. And, and you know, I'm, I'm pretty grounded. I'm a Rutgers guy. I'm grounded. and But I'm pretty bothered by the things that I see going on in the world. The war in, in the Mideast and, and the war in Ukraine and the threat of nuclear war and COVID virus and, and the violence in, in New York and, and the migrant situation. Uh, uh, there, there's, and it, it bothers me. It bothers me, and I know it's affecting me. And 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 I wanted to address that. And and, and I said, let's just talk about the whole institution of mental health, uh, because, uh, as you said, we said, one out of every two people in their lives have, uh, have had crises, and 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 there's a stigma. And, and enough people don't go out to seek the kind of help. So we're going to talk about some really important issues today. And, and I'm done with my my quick Johnny Carson monologue. Uh, and I'd like to introduce Dr. Tara Chalakani, uh, a little bit of a bio and talk a little bit about preferred behavioral health. And, and then we'll go into some things. Take it away, Tara. Uh, well, Calvin, thanks so much for having me back and and making mental health a priority and wanting to talk about it and not being afraid of it, because even though it's 2024, we still live in a world where people are reluctant or even ashamed to talk about mental health issues, including addictions. And we really need to, to begin normalizing it so that we can destigmatize it. So thank you so much for that. My pleasure. My pleasure. A little bit about Preferred Behavioral Health Group. Um, we are a wonderful organization that has been serving New Jersey since 1978. We serve the entire state for therapy and psychiatry through telehealth. And we are also physically present in 14 counties in New Jersey. And we provide an entire spectrum of behavioral health services for every stage of life in the office, in home, in schools, in community. We have residential programs, day programs. So we really hit the mark and cover all the bases. And I always say the easiest way to describe what we do is we don't have a hospital. So we don't have that, but we have everything else. And we are here to serve the citizens of New Jersey, often in their darkest time, but we are here. Which is a segue. Um... I just learned the other day that the 200,000 people die each year from overdoses. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I don't, uh, again, I don't know enough for sure, but uh, I don't know if we as a society are doing enough in this level and then preferred behavioral health is there to help people and to guide people. Uh, and and again, people. I don't think enough people take that kind of opportunity. But a little bit about the the world of overdosing. Well, like you said, I mean, it's sadly still very prevalent. Um, and with 
now fentanyl being so mainstream and other threats like xylazine, we have a lot to fight out there in the community. And we provide substance use services and peer support services are a, a huge part of that because research has shown that people respond better more to someone that's walked a mile in their shoes and has come out on the other side than trained professionals with licenses and a million you know letters after their name. So peer recovery support is a huge part of what we do. Um, but prevention is is key. And that is something that is not really prioritized in New Jersey or elsewhere. And very often in, in our world now, we think of prevention as harm reduction, which is needle exchanges and safe spaces to use drugs. But I, I feel that that is death prevention, which we want 100% without a doubt in conjunction with peer recovery and traditional substance use services. But I feel like we we have to stop putting out fires and go back to the source. And we have to start in schools. We have to start with kids. We have to educate them. You know, we know not to litter. We know not to start forest fires, right? Because we all know Smokey the Bear. And I know I'm dating myself, but I remember the, the commercials with the Native American man crying over yeah. litter. You know, those things really impacted us. And we need to do more of that when it comes to the use of drugs and alcohol, because I think we start too late. Um, I know the D.A.R.E. programs traditionally in New Jersey, they started in fifth grade. We need to go way, way further, you know, uh, and and really teaching kids to value themselves and teach them skills so that they have the wherewithal to refuse if they see someone using. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a heavy, heavy topic, Calvin. And, you know, I know we were chatting beforehand that we could talk about any one topic mental health related for hours on end, but I do feel strongly that prevention is really key. Okay. Um, this is kind of a, a, an overused discussion, but I don't think it's, it's enough. Uh, I don't think enough of the message gets out, but talking about youth, our, our, our youth uh, and mental health crises and, and uh, just again, it's in the news all the time, but social media <clears throat> is fueling so much of this, the youth mental health. We, we, we've got a youth mental health crisis going on and you, you at preferred behavioral health do a lot of work with youth. We do. We do. Um, one of our, our biggest youth programs is our children's mobile response, which is 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. And the acuity and the demand for crisis services has escalated over the, the last three years. And we're seeing unprecedented number, but uh, unprecedented need. Um, but getting back to what you brought up regarding social media, I will say this, um, because I, I don't want this to all be gloom and doom, that without social media, I don't know what the COVID-19 pandemic would have looked like for kids, because at least 
social media and their screens provided them with some normative age appropriate social interaction that they wouldn't have had otherwise. So I think we, you know, we have to, you know, look at all sides of the spectrum, but the overarching issue with social media is that um, it, 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 certainly does not build social skills. It certainly does not replace human interaction. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the one problem is, is, is the negative, the downsize. For girls and even guys, it's body image issues. It's, it's devaluing someone's self-worth and sense of self because of the comparison to others. Excuse me. I'm so sorry, Calvin. I hope no, you edit this. <laughs> that's fine. You can hydrate. I have a tickle in my throat. <clears throat> so it's the body image issues. It's also the very flagrant bullying and aggressive behavior, which is what we deal with a lot in the mental health realm. You know, when we're working with youths that are struggling with issues on social media, it's usually being bullied, being exposed to things that are emotionally distressing, being exposed to content that is way over their heads and too much for them to comprehend. And the human brain is the human brain. It is what it is. It's not like in 2024, babies being born with, you know, an upgraded brain, like we're getting an updated iPhone, it develops the way it develops. And it also develops in relation to what it's exposed to. Um, it's funny, you talked about bullying. Uh, I'll just give you my little perspective. I, I was bullied. Uh Grammar school, high school, bullied, uh, made fun of. Uh, I was tall. I was goofy, uh, and and uh, just the lasting effect. I never forgot that. I never forgot that, and it's been in my consciousness. So I'm just. It's been in my consciousness my whole life. Uh, uh, maybe I was smart enough to overcome that, and and uh, but. Uh, it, it, I mean, I wrote about it in 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 in, in my novel. Uh, my character was bullied. So, what I'm saying is, uh, as a as a young person, a youth uh, uh, who's bullied, that's going to stay with them, correct, for a long, long, long time. Of course, it's it's embedded in our in our in our brains. We don't lose anything that we're exposed to or that we experience, and. You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm making maybe a leap, but I think probably everyone gets bullied in some fashion, whether it's by a sibling or um, something. I mean, I certainly was bullied in school, but th the issue is that when I had a bully, I could go home at the end of the day and I didn't have to worry about that person until the next day. And on a Friday, I didn't have to worry about that person until Monday. And in the summer, I didn't have to see them for three months, but we don't have that anymore. And so you go home, but if you're on social media, that person can access you or their friends can access you. And even if you're good about not 
using social media or blocking people, friends can send a screenshot. Oh, look what so-and-so said about you. So it's really hard, even if a child's parents have great boundaries or discipline as it relates to screen usage and screen time, we can't control the whole world around us. <clears throat> okay. Moving on uh, to prepare for you, I, I've done my digging uh, and, and I did a lot of reading about suicide. Um, and actually in, in my novel, which I'll, I'll throw up there, uh, there's a tortoise in my hair, Journey to Spirit. Uh, there, there are elements of suicide in, in the novel about a character and suicide. And, uh, and uh, I won't say anything more about that, but there are elements of that. So uh, it's been in my consciousness. I'm not I'm not suicidal, but um, 50,000 50, people a year die from suicide. Uh, it affects males four times as much uh, as as women uh and um preferred behavioral health if, if somebody picks up the phone and calls you or calls 988 uh that that 15 minute call can save a life so um talk about suicide That's, this is a wide open uh but uh I, I don't know if we all realize just how i mean 50,000 people a year is, is a lot of people to lose yeah and and you and yes it, it it does impact men more than women and just to look at the flip side of that women are twice as likely to access mental health care than men wow so and and there's been a lot of debate about why is it so and it's like oh well women are more open with their emotions and things of that nature and and it's you know they're more inclined to to be open, talk to a friend, whatever. But whatever reason you you kind of label it with, the bottom line is all roads lead back to our culture of stigma and the culture of, you know, being macho. You can't cry. You can't show your feelings. And that's why I commend you and anyone who brings this to mainstream awareness, because if we keep talking about it, it becomes more part of just who we are and, 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 our, and our culture, right? That it's okay to seek mental health treatment and it's okay to talk about it. And it doesn't matter if you're a man, woman, it doesn't matter your age, mental health issues, mental illness impacts everybody. It does. Because if if you can sit here and tell me you've never been anxious, you've never had a bout of depression, that's wonderful, but someone around you did. If you live in a household of four people, at least one of them has been through something mental health related. So we, we don't escape this life without having exposure to it. So we need to reduce the reluctance to acquire the help. <clears throat> so you have you have systems built into preferred behavioral health that people, uh, patients, and people who reach out to you, you can cancel them. And uh, it, is it the hardest thing about the whole thing about suicide? Uh, is is the whole institution of reaching out for help? People don't do that, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and should more be, should more 
being done? Should more stuff be done to prepare people and to educate people and to tell them that there are so many sources of help like what you guys do? Uh, are we doing enough of that to get that message out that, that there's so many people here that want to help you? Well, I don't think that that we can ever do enough. Um, and it, I'm sure that's the sentiment of all of my colleagues at Preferred as well. But, it, you know, I will say that in, in our state of New Jersey, we are working on it. Right now, um, there are several organizations that are working on a statewide zero suicide initiative where everyone in our organization gets trained on um, assessing for signs and symptoms and really making it part of everything we do across the board and having all of our staff educated. Um, we do have a program in New Jersey now. The funding is called NJ4S and it supports services in schools. So we're providing the prevention that I talked about, which makes me very happy. Um, and mental health services with mental health linkages to K through 12 students in public and charter schools. So we are doing more. I will say that, that more is happening, but it's still not enough because there are too many people who are going without services or can't acquire them for some reason. But again, people like you who mental health isn't your realm, it's it's not, you know, um, your job five days a week, but you value it and you put it on people's radar and you use your influence. And that is just priceless. It's invaluable. So I thank you for that and, and anyone else that isn't afraid to speak about mental health issues and bring it to the forefront of everyone's mind. Yeah, it, I, again, I, I, um, I should have, uh, uh, because I'm a guy, I, I should have at different parts of my life reached out uh, for help. Not that there was any consequential, uh, but I know I, I should have reached out. Maybe that's why I'm so sensitive to it now. I know I should have reached out and 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 asked for help, but I, I never did it because I was a guy and and I got lost. I would never uh, ask directions. There's a hundred people on the street. Uh, it, it is a, a gender thing, uh, as you said, and, and you just said something really interesting. You know, uh, you know, women uh, go for help so much more than 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 a man does uh but um and i'm glad to hear that you know the state of new jersey is doing so much more mm -hmm. in, in that realm uh and 988 is the phone number right uh, yes that's uh, the national suicide hotline right okay and again you guys uh, preferred uh uh have all kinds of um sources for people to reach out to to you guys Yes, uh, I know we're just we're just skimming over things because it, there's just so much uh, here. Uh, the other thing I was always curious about um, uh, uh, is seasonal affected disorder. Uh, you know, people are cooped up in their their houses and, and it's cold. And, uh, and how do you guys uh, preferred behavior deal with seasonal effect? Actually, why don't you? actually define it so the the broad stroke is that when we have reduced exposure to sunlight that that creates a, a dip in in our 
neurotransmitters in our brain, which can create depressive symptoms. So a lot of people are aware of it. They know that in the winter months, they, and these are people that I'm saying are already in care and connected to a therapist or um, a psychiatric prescriber. They're very well aware that, uh oh, you know, winter's coming. It's not a good time of the year for me. So I need to be mindful of it. So um, I, I mean, any prescriber of medication, any therapist who works with their clients that have mood disorders of any kind, you know, they're typically mindful that this happens. So I don't know that we would necessarily just treat someone for seasonal affective disorder and nothing else. I think it's, it's part of the package, so to speak, or part of the process of working with someone through a mental health issue. But it's really important to get outside. I know it's freezing, but even a 10 minute walk bundled up, getting fresh air, getting the ambient light on, on your skin, it's helpful. It really is. So um, anything that we can do to get outdoors is really important. There are artificial lights that people purchase online on Amazon. They're not super costly and they expose themselves to a little light every day. Oh. But the bottom line is really just being aware, knowing that it happens and what are your supports? Who are your supports? What are other things like, <clears throat> excuse me, that are in your, in your toolbox that make you happy, you know, do you, is, is music your thing? Do you like podcasts like Calvin's, um, you know, a TV show? I, I know a lot of young people, they'll binge watch something on Netflix if they're feeling down. So there are other things that we are, we have at our fingertips and exercise is always the biggie. And, and I think that the, the lack of sunlight or exposure to sun is the big overarching issue for seasonal affective disorder, but people also become much less active and physical activity is really natural medicine. You know, it's a natural remedy for anxiety, depression. It, it, the, and, and I've met with, with providers who have said to me, if, this person has anxiety and they're not willing to exercise or work out 30 minutes a day, then I'm not going to be able to work with them because there's really nothing else right. that I'm going to be able to help them with if they don't help themselves. So just moving your body, you're releasing feel good hormones. And I mean, I can even say for myself that in the summertime, I'm walking, I'm biking. And in the winter time, I can't do that because, you know, right now it's whatever, 24 degrees, so it doesn't work. But then we have to be mindful of finding other ways to stay active, whether you're looking for a workout on YouTube or you have a gym membership or something that creates movement, because there are ways that we can help ourselves to get over the winter hump. You said something really interesting, um, uh, exercise. Um, uh, I've been uh, an avid exerciser. Um, I don't, I don't walk, but I do exercise bike, but, um, there's nothing, if, if there's nothing like the feeling after I do an hour and a half workout, my goodness, if I could bottle that, put it in a little bottle endorphin, uh, that stuff is really powerful. Um, and, and, and to kind of show you how powerful it is. 
uh, no names mentioned, but I, I know of somebody in, in, in my world who was diagnosed um, with bipolar, mm -hmm. uh, uh, PTSD and bipolar. Uh, and, and, and this person has gone on to do voracious, monstrous amounts of exercise every day. He became a world-class uh, athlete, and, and I'm pretty close to him. Uh, every day uh and and it, there's so much endorphin going into his body that it, it obviated and did away with the need um and i don't know if that's medically acceptable but i mean i don't i don't know but he's got a wonderful life and no no meds and he's living off the endorphins the exercise which you just talked about that's how powerful and, and diet is huge too. You know, there there is a lot. And I think what happens, Calvin, is that when someone is really suffering and struggling, it feels so, so enormously out of their control. But yet there is so much in, in our control, like the movement, like what we put into our bodies, what we consume, um, who who is in our bubble, you know, who, what are we surrounding ourselves with? So there is a lot in our control. And once we, we participate, let's say, in an activity like you're talking about, how you want to bottle those endorphins, I think once we start it and have... The, the the return on our investment of time and energy, it that sends the message, but it's just kind of getting over that initial hump and motivating yourself to start. But th there is a lot, there is a lot that we can do for ourselves for sure. Right. And and maybe if more people exercise, that that endorphin rush would get them over a lot of helps of uh, uh, daily living. Um, and you also said something about diet. Um, uh, 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 I, I, I've been following nu nu nutrition for, for a while. You know, I, I stopped eating, uh, red meat in 1975. <laughs> uh, and I'm walking around with zero coronary artery plaque. And I'm very proud of that at, at my advanced septuagenarian age, mm -hmm. uh, not to have any coronary artery plaque. And, and that gives me a sense of well-being. It's kind of euphoric. Uh, I, I don't think I'm Superman. I don't shovel snow and stuff. Uh, but uh, so diet, as you just said, very, very important. Um, is supplementation, uh, is supplement taking supplements, vitamins, uh, is, is all that, does it contribute to better mental health, having a, a, the diet and, and, and maybe some supplements? Um, Absolutely. I mean, listen, I am a very holistic practitioner. So I look at the whole person and, um, you know, it's never one thing. It's never just therapy. It's never just medication. It's never just exercise. You know, we are multifaceted human beings, but supplements absolutely uh, contribute to improved mental health. And actually one of the biggest supplements that are so important is vitamin C. And we think about uh, vitamin C a lot at this time of the year, because we don't want to catch a cold. We don't want to get the flu. We don't want COVID, right? So a lot of people more are more vitamin C focused, but it actually helps our mood just as much as it does our immunity. Wow. 
Vitamin D is another big one. And that's an, a, another contributing factor with seasonal affective disorder where we're having reduced exposure to the sun, which reduces our vitamin D levels, which impacts our mood. So vitamin D supplementation, absolutely. And I mean, there's so many, it's fish oil, it's vitamin, you know, it's, it's the, the B vitamins. So vitamin D. there you go. There there you go. Does it have K2? It has to be vitamin D with K2. I don't, uh, this is D3. I don't even know. D, uh, you want D3 with K2. Okay. K2. <laughs> yes. I, I appreciate that. I, I do. Uh, and I do remember from my pharmacy days that when you're taking vitamin D, you, you got to take calcium with it because they each help. Each other. That's right. That's I, right. I remember that. So, uh, and, and we're all different, right? We all have different beliefs, and and some folks are very Western medicine focused, and whatever my doctor says, and absolutely, like if that's what you like, then absolutely. Some people are more interested in holistic, like for instance, I um, believe in chiropractic care and I believe that that also impacts your mood. So, you know, that will take you down another path. And then there are naturopaths and alternative and complementary medicine practitioners who are more well-versed in supplementation and performing testing that Western medicine doesn't necessarily participate and so it's really about the individual and and the bottom line is we want to get someone to their optimal health to their best self their well-being and in in a way that they're comfortable so whatever that looks like that you know so be it you know, the, the bottom line is get the help that you need and do it in the way that you choose the last uh we can go on for hours. I know. We're not. <laughs> but uh, uh, in, in, uh, you have a private practice. I do. In addition to my role as yes, CEO. Right. You have a private practice in, in, in doing my due diligence uh, as a journalist. Uh, I read about in part of your, your private practice, you, you talk about uh, uh, higher consciousness. If you could define that and just put a little light on that. That's the last thing I'm going to ask you for today so uh, what do you uh and and what i mean i i'm i'm very spiritual and that's why i wrote a novel uh is that part of a higher consciousness the spirituality for sure and i mean you know i am a, a licensed practitioner you know so i i am highly clinical but that isn't just who i am i am very spiritual and i tend to attract a very spiritual clientele to my private practice, but um, I am um, highly focused on treating trauma. And a lot of the work and a lot of the modalities that work on treating trauma is very much focused on our unconscious, you know, what isn't on the forefront, which isn't in our um, our, our thought processes that we're aware of, but more of underlying behaviors and consciousness. And, and there's so much that drives who we are that isn't in a textbook, you know, it isn't um, scientific 
right? We are more than just this, you know, we, we do have a spiritual component. And again, this is a topic certainly that I could, you know, chat with you about for hours yeah. on end, but um, definitely in the work that I do one-on-one, -on -one, there is, is a huge spirituality piece and an, and a lot of work of, you know, really working on our, our higher consciousness and our highest self, our, our best self. Okay. Maybe uh, we're going to, we're going to do a wrap now, but you know, the higher consciousness stuff, I, I was sitting in this chair a few years ago, uh, texting with a friend of mine who actually is, is a psychedelic guy, mushrooms and psychedelic mm -hmm. like another time, but uh, uh, we were just texting uh, and and uh, and my picture of my mother is right over my computer there, and and he asked me something, and I wrote yup, and I, I put my phone down, uh, and and I had prior to that I've been listening to to my favorite my mother's favorite song from Mary Alonza for three days, just obsessively compulsive. Another thing we can talk about uh, <laughs> OCD. There's so much stuff. I'm I'm like this 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 conglomeration but anyway uh after 15 minutes i just randomly picked up my phone and there in the outgoing message typed was the word mom wow no no it is a wow by the way it, it is a wow uh, i didn't type it and i don't have voice activation and there was no reason so i i've gone on to ask about 50 techie people i mean everybody encounters any kind of a techie how did that nobody's given me an answer on the technological side, but I know that she, my mom came out because I was so into her. She came out of wherever she was, got permission from the boss uh, and, and type mom, just let me know. She was So that's higher consciousness, correct? Yes, for sure. And I love to hear stories like that. And it, you know, validates what I believe. And again, you know, we're all different, Calvin. So I'm not here and I'm not certainly saying, you know, and representing preferred behavioral health um, in that realm. I'm speaking of myself as an individual, but, you know, we all have our individual beliefs and I certainly feel very strongly. I mean, this is not it. You know, there's there's more to life right. than, than um, what's here on among the living, so to speak. But I love to hear stories like that. Oh, and, we could talk for hours. I have, yeah. I, I wrote a novel. I wrote <laughs> a novel. I spent five years of my life writing a novel, telling of these kind of stories, and uh, and they're my stories. They're they're inexplicable stories, mm. uh, and and that's why maybe next time if we come back, you come back, we can talk about higher consciousness. So you you've got to run because you, you've got uh, duties as a CEO, uh, Dr. Tara. Thank you so much for your thank graciousness you. and time. Uh, 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 do come back, please come back because there's so much more to to talk about. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to stop recording. Okay, my uh, pleasure. Don't leave. We're going to do a, a one minute wrap. Uh, and and thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome.